Welcome to episode 153 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. This episode was recorded on Sunday, March 26, 2017. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. And now for a limited time, new customers to Jensen USA who are referred by the spokesman get 10% off one item. Simply enter the spokesman, no spaces, at checkout. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at thefredcast.com. I'm the host and producer of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and other information, simply go to our website at the-spokesmen.com. And now, here are the spokesmen. Hi there, it is Sunday, 26th of March already, and we're one week into, well, I'd like to say summertime globally, but in in where I am, it's British summertime, and I am Carlton Reid of BikeBiz.com, and we have a a packed show of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast today, and we are uh, very round, because there's there's four of us today, which is a nice round number. So I'm going to start with the person who hasn't been on for... three, four shows maybe, and that's Anna, Anna Schwinn. Hi there, Anna. Hi, Carlton. How's it going since we've talked to you last? Um, you know, busy. I have a lot of projects, um, but uh, yeah, and due to travel, I haven't been able to be on, but I'm happy to be here. Well, it was two weeks ago where you couldn't come on and you're incredibly stupid and this is just a rubbish excuse, but we will be talking about it today, is the fact you were actually at the North American hand-built bicycle show, which we'll, we will get on to. So that's, that's, that's fascinating because you, you had two hats at that show, yeah? Yeah, yeah, lots of hats. <laughs> cool. At least two hats, okay. And then we are going to go to Jim, Jim Moss. Hi there, Jim. Hi there. How is everybody today? Good and hey, see your perky this morning. So you've had your coffee, yeah, and you're you're uh, you're now caught up with summertime. The coffee's not fast enough. I got a monster in front of me. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. And I'm we kidding. have uh, the the. Well, in fact, Jim was with us. Uh, uh, I'd like to say last week because it feels like last week because that's when I I should now make an apology. Uh, the show went online two weeks ago, but then it took an extra week for me to send it down to iTunes. So it feels as though it's like a week ago because that's when the iTunes um, feed was updated. That was a, a snafu that I had to fix with uh, with David uh, from the Fredcast, and and I just couldn't get it figured out. And David then David. eventually helped me. David, David, who? David, who, who, David? Yes, I know. Uh, he is going to be coming back on the show very shortly. I, I'm oh, pretty that's sure. a rumor. So Jim was on the show last week, and uh, the person facts. two weeks ago, <laughs> uh, the, the other person on the show two weeks ago is uh, Donna. Hi there, Donna. Hey everybody, how are you this morning or afternoon or evening? Whenever you listen to it. Well, hopefully if I get this show online, it'll be the same day. So it'll be Ooh-hoo. evening for most people, I'm guessing. Um, David Bernstein is an alternative fact. <laughs> <laughs> he exists. He truly, truly exists. He may, in fact, um, be going to watch some of the, the classics in, in Belgium. 
he's gone to that kind of job at the moment. Oh, lucky. Yes, exactly. Uh, and we can actually touch on that. We can get, go, go straight into in, into the into the classics. So it's Ghent Vegelgram, or as one person on social media called it, Ghent Bubblegum, is uh, is uh, has been happening and is happening right now. But unfortunately, there was uh, a death there uh, last year, and that was uh, Antoine de Morty of uh, Team Wanty Group Gobert, and uh, clearly they have had. Uh, the kind of race which they didn't want to to have to to run and in, incredibly difficult to to get back into the classics for them but it, i did want to 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 mention antoine because you know it's one year to the to the day when he crashed and and, and of course sagan uh one last year's event but there was uh, that that particular cloud over that particular event now then uh, I would like to start, however, by talking about something we did touch on uh, last show, and that is Team Sky and uh, and one of their former riders, because there was an offshoot, and that's uh, Sir Bradley Wiggins, who came up with this interview, and it was actually on a football show. It was on a football, as in um, soccer show, in which he talked about he's going to be shocking people. And nobody knows what that means, uh, whether he's going to be admitting anything, admit this Jiffy Pack. But what what do we think he means by I'm going to shock people? Donna, what do you what do you read into that? I don't know. I mean, he's they're talking about the 2011 season and, you know, nothing would shock me at this point. So I think we're all pretty jaded. And, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what he says. I don't think I'll be shocked. Um mm. Mm. But I, I don't know what that means. I think the shocking part would be, I don't know. I, you know, I was going to say if he, he said that none of them were, were doping or all of them mm. were doping, I mean, would that shock anybody? Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good point. What, 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 how can we be shocked in cycling anymore? Right, if he says they weren't all doping, that's not a shock. They all deny it. Or we yeah. were all doping. Well, yeah, we know that. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm skeptical of the word shock. Mm. I think I think mm. that what they're going to announce was that instead of using prescription drugs, they were using knockoffs from Canada or Mexico. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did drugs last show, of course, a particular kind of uh, drug, which we won't go into into that. Uh, Anno, what were you? Oh, that's why I'm not racing real well right now. Uh, that could be the reason. <laughs> I think Bradley Wiggins is like a hand buzzer, and he's just going to manually shock people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that could be funny. In, in that I mean, particular interview. Mm, go for he's, ex- he, he's upset over him, the way he left Sky. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. Um, and to some extent, I guess I don't blame him, but... Um, I mean, because every, you know, three or four months, he comes up with something that puts his face back in the spotlight. I mean, he mm. broke his leg the other day. I mean, how hard do you have to go to do that? I mean, it's Just kind of like when you get like, out of a bad relationship and, like, you change your look. Like, he grew a mustache. He, like, like got a bunch of tattoos. Like, clearly he's processing through something. What do you Nobody? think about this? Because this, this is the, the bit that shocked me in, the, in 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 some of the interviews he's done recently and that's 
uh, the fact that he reckons marginal gains, so the aggregation of marginal gains, and even what we call the chimp thing, so it's the Steve Peters, the, the British cycling team psychologist, and his chimp paradox book. These are two things that people were, were meant to be uh, thinking would uh, would influence how uh, Team Sky did in in cycling. Does any of that shock you, that he reckons that marginal gains doesn't actually work? Anna. No. What do you reckon, Anna? I have 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 nothing to contribute. I'm sorry here. (laughs) Do you don't think think marginal gains is an individual's issue? What may work for one person, you know, may not work for another. I mean, I've seen... Uh, and, and this is one of the things Wiggins brought up, but the, the psychiatrist, I've seen psychiatrists work with some athletes and it's mm. turned them around, you know, it's, it jumped them up and I've seen that psychiatrists work with other athletes and it was just, eh, um, you know, it, it's, we all have different triggers that, that get us to achieve different goals and go different places and get better. And some triggers don't work on people. Mm. Anybody in favour of the marginal gains thing who think, no, 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 that's, that's, it's got to be right. I mean, what Wiggins is saying has got to be wrong. Well, I think, I think everything that, <laughs> everything Wiggins says can go right or wrong. But yeah, like, <laughs> it just doesn't matter in some cases. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm, what okay. are you looking for, Carlton? Well, it's, 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 <laughs> Wiggins has obviously taken something that was British Cycling, not just Team Sky, but British Cycling's um, secret sauce. That was that was what they were famous for. That's why they won everything, because oh. they had the aggregation of marginal gains. So if Wiggins is saying, no, that's rubbish, well, let's, well, hang on, that's why British Cycling is meant to be the winningest team. So he's kind of, it's, by saying what he's saying, it's almost worse in some ways... Uh, from a British cycling perspective, than 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 doping, because that was meant to be why why these two particular teams, linked by one person, of course, Brailsford, that's that's why they're meant to have been so successful. But is that shocking? Obviously, for the Brits, it is. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it really hasn't Maybe. been picked up. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's been picked up. Nobody, I don't think, has really latched on to that particular aspect i think they're all focused on doping 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 and they've ignored this well actually that's in some ways that's quite significant what he said he said this thing which is meant to be the secret formula is is smoke and mirrors and maybe people will come back to it and then go oh we said that a few weeks ago didn't he hmm no i i I personally i found that quite interesting that he said that maybe that's just because i'm a brit yeah, I mean, in all honesty, that's what I'm thinking is because it doesn't affect any of us the same way. And so mm. the only difference in the group is you're not one of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Gee, thanks. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I mean, some, something intangible, um, like, like, you know, what you were discussing, like any anything like that, that, that other teams can't really put – you know, they, it's, it's hard to touch. It's hard to describe. And, Mm. you know, it's, uh, how do I put this? It's, 
it could just be another sort of psychological tool against against the competition. Like, well, we've mm. got this magic this ma- magic element. Mm. You know, you can't you don't know what it is, and you know that's 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 valuable. You know, it's like magic mm. at that point, right? Mm. So I could I could see how like you know Wiggins turning around and being like, ah, eh, all that magic bullshit. You know. Mm. <laughs> Like, well, it's, uh, it's, it's it's revealing, you know, the person behind the curtain. And that could actually impact on Froome this year, for instance. You know, if, if people say, oh, well, hang on. That thing that Team Sky said was the thing that powered them up the mountains isn't the thing that's powered them up the mountains at all. So mm-hmm. we've got a chance. Well, mine, well, Maybe it's a blue the mind game's going on. Then it's a psychological weapon against the competition. I mean, hey, if it works, it works, you know? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Right, Anna, tell us all about your your double-hatted time in Salt Lake City at the North American Handmade Bicycle Show. Uh, okay. So I, I love the, uh, the, the frame builder, sort of the small frame builder, medium-sized frame builder, um, you know, part of the industry. Like, I think that's where a lot of innovation comes from. So it's something I track very closely. And I think that, you know, it's 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 very passionate when you sort of look at the relationship between a builder or a small shop of builders and and a product versus a massive company and a massively produced product for a lot of customers. Um, so that's that's sort of where my passion is. And if I can if I can find a frame, you know, a, a handmade bike show, like I'll be there. Um, trying to figure out how to get to bespoke, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Nabs Nabs is the big one, um, and this year. Uh, in addition to covering it for Bike Rumor, which I love to do, um, I was out there with my friend Eric Noren of Peacock Groove, who is a builder local to Minneapolis. He's about a mile and a half up the road from where I'm sitting. And uh, for this year, uh, for the first time at NABS, um, I had a personal bike, and it was made outside of my family. So mm-hmm. it was kind of significant thing for me. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, he made me a Prince, uh, Prince tribute bike because we're from Minneapolis and mm. Prince was kind of our down hero uh, cool. and he, the past year. And, and it took home best in show, which I mean, I didn't need wow. the award. Glad, mm-hmm. I'm glad Eric got it, but mm. uh, it was, it was kind of done to death. I mean, it's the frame itself was great, but then, um, you know, I had one of the picks that uh, Prince played with uh, Paul components machined a pocket into the stem for it. Mm. Uh, it had, custom uh custom bar tape and saddle that were prince themed it had crying columbus doves on the handlebar tape um and then holes that revealed purple leather underneath i mean it's 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 pretty extensive and it's definitely not a bike for everybody but it's mm. mine mm. I don't care <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah sweet now the story i did on 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 not just that particular bike, but the whole show in general on, on bike biz was, it's called the North American handmade bicycle show, but there is now actually so many international companies there. Virtually every, well, pretty much every continent, maybe apart from Antarctica is now got representation there. You've got Korean bike builders, you've got loads of European bike builders, you've got uh, Antipodean bike builders. So New Zealand folks are there. So it's almost the international handmade bicycle show does it feel like that or does it feel when you're there Anna? does it feel like a no this feels like an american show with just a few add-ons you know i it's it's been very interesting um you know i think i think that 
you know, given that the the landscape of American frame building particularly um, was driven by large American companies kind of gobbling up or killing the medium-sized frame builders in, in the late 90s and early 2000s, right? And sort of disbanding these groups of medium-sized frame builders. And either they would sort of band together, or, you know, be frame builders in their own right or quit the, quit the industry. And a lot of that exodus was sort of associated with Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, as, you know, and Taiwan and China and, and you hear those two countries specifically sort of referred to in like, you know, a hissy hissy voice like you know like they're they're evil and everything and the the problem is is that i don't think that this is a a true international bike show until we see the high level builders from those countries in particular Mm -hmm. because we we have like again you know japan we had cherubim we had Mm -hmm. we we had korea we had um don hugh from uh from england and there was another uh uk builder i can't remember exactly who um, but you know, and and historically, and, and Russia, we had we had three uh, booths of uh, Russian builders, Jam, mm-hmm. um, wow. and Triton, um, actually pronounced Triton, um, but um, who I profiled before the show, um, and that's all um, that's all Dmitri from Triton. He basically gathered up the small frame building community there. I think there are ten builders in all. Uh, that he could personally reference, and he's like, "So I brought, I brought two other guys. So this is like thirty percent of our, our community <laughs> right here." I'm like, "Wow!" Uh, and bundled them up and brought them with, um, and you know, so this, it, if I think by by percentage, it was the most international show to date. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely opportunity to go further because there are some really standout builders in Taiwan. Because mm-hmm. just like in the U.S., you have these mass mass producing bike builders and then you have the guys who you know mm-hmm. work through the shops to become the master builders of their shops and then sometimes they split off and do something crazy but you know being taiwanese is still a bad word when it comes to the small you know custom frame building community which i think is a real shame mm-hmm. um and you know, we we haven't talked about africa so <laughs> um like it would be fabulous to see talent coming out of there. Um, you know, aside from, I think the, the projects I've heard there have been like, I don't know the, um, the ambulance project by, I want to say blank. Oh, yeah. Um, and you know, Craig Calfee's done projects in Rwanda, but that's, mm-hmm. that's different. That's different than, you know, the things that are happening in the frame building community there. And I know that there's a, a pocket of builders in South Africa and, mm. and beyond. I don't, I don't know very much, and I, I wish I knew more. But it hasn't been an emphasis of uh, cycling media to, you know, pursue that. You've got brands um, like Pyga, so P Y G A is a, one of the the top South African brands, but they're like a, a, a I don't want to say standard, but like a standard uh, shop in that they will buy in there, they will design their frames in South Africa, but then they will buy them in from from China and and Taiwan. And then dress them that's up not for their, their audience. I mean, that's that's a lot of you know what we would consider bike companies in the U.S. Mm. I mean, mm. every, every you look at your big builders, it's not like there are you know these massive companies. They use a variety of different factories in Asia, and you'll you'll walk into a given Taiwanese or Chinese factory, and you'll see that they have a portfolio of companies <laughs> that mm. they build for, and um, 
you know, you can look at you can look at frames and the tags inside frames and and see where they're built, and you can see where you know I I'm not going to name brands obviously, but it's it's not an uncommon practice. I wouldn't consider that invalid, but I know that there are um, if you look at Saffron who builds out of the UK, he is a South African builder, and mm. his initial plan was to learn how to build in uh, the UK and then go back home, um, but it hasn't happened. So uh, mm-hmm. I. I he was definitely telling me about other builders from that part of the world. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, it would be it would be really cool if we could we could see uh, more African, you know, actual cycling, you know, instead of the the um, you know like World Bike Relief Calfee sort of projects, which mm-hmm. you know aren't aren't invalid and aren't not you know they it's not that they aren't bicycles they are but. Um, there is there is industry as we would consider to be industry there that I'd like to see represented. They have a very active mountain bike and road bike community in yeah. in in South Africa. So you've got a, an incredibly varied and well attended and ex, kind of say expensive racing. So the Cape Epic, I think, finished. Did it finish today or finish yesterday? So the Cape Epic is one of the uh, the big mountain bike races. Uh, so that's just finished. And then you've got the the Joburg to Sea, which I've done, which is coming up in a, a couple of weeks. You've got all sorts of unbelievably beautiful and fantastic uh, multi-day stage races in South Africa. So that's where the, the mountain bike scene bubbles up from in that you've got to have some pretty decent bikes to, to do these epic rides in, in oh, South yeah. Africa so it's a very very active scene you know you go there and you think oh it can't be that active and then there are people coming out of the woodwork it's unbelievable in South Africa so yeah yeah you're, you're quite right Anna you know and I'd like there to must see be more tons more from there. yeah and more representation from South South America also you know <laughs> mm-hmm. um so it's like yeah you know we covered you know the the socially acceptable with respect to the industry parts of Asia and Europe. You know I'm talking about Korea and Japan versus China and Taiwan, obviously represented through component companies. But um, yeah, and you know North America, we had uh, we had obviously you know the bulk of the builders were from there. But there's mm. there's opportunity for us to sort of reach further. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it takes a very you know, it takes a very unique community for this, this type of, uh, industry to thrive. You know, mm-hmm. we've got, we've got, you know, independent component companies, uh, and frame part, uh, infrastructure, you know, it's relatively easy to get whatever you'd like in the U S in terms of tool, uh, tubing and, uh, you know, dropouts and basic things like that. Um, but yeah, well, there's an opportunity for me, I guess. I guess I should shut up about it and go figure that out. <laughs> Make America great again, you think? Yeah, no, start, start, start finding these builders. I guess mm. you know I can't complain too much about these these other you know not knowing much about these other parts of the world and not seeing it covered by media if I'm not personally covering it, right? So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> all right, next topic. <laughs> Well, the next topic, Anna, could could be come to you again, unless Donna or Jim wants to talk anything about the North American hand-built bicycle show. I, I, we... I went when it was in Denver, which I think mm. was four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, if nothing else, it is a room full of beautiful bicycles. Mm. Um, most of, you know, most of the paint jobs are done by hand and they're, you know, someone has obviously spent as much time 
painting the bicycles and and putting them together visually as they do uh, welding and putting them together that way. So if it's in your town or close by, I would strongly urge you to go to go see it because it is just full of, a room full of beautiful bikes. Uh, which, when it was in the... Denver, it was sorry, Jim, sorry. mostly. That's uh, okay. It was mostly regional. Mm. Um, there were a lot of Colorado builders there um, because it was easy. You know, they could drive mm. down and, and show their bikes. Um, hopefully that the, those builders, once they then show up, uh, keep following the show year after year after year as, as we mm. should. It's, it is a fun time, fun thing to see and, and go do. Wait, I mean, you made a good point. But, no, no, Anna, go, go for it. Okay. <laughs> no, I was about to say, yeah, uh, and it's worth saying that, you know, because it is regional um, and and not every builder can go every year because it's extremely expensive. Um, next year, what's really exciting is that it's going back, to, it's going to the East Coast for the first time ever, mm. basically, the upper East Coast. So um, there's going to be a New England show. We haven't seen a lot of New England builders at the show, um, but the idea is that if it's in their backyard, they'll come. So, like, I can't remember, I think 2009 was the last time that Independent Fabrications was there, mm. and they might be back again, which would be great. Um, so it's going to be in Hartford, Connecticut, um, which will change the whole dynamic and look of the show. But I think I think this year it's worth saying that, you know, the, the show's really matured um, yeah. from when it started, and... What was exciting about this year is that you saw, you know, I, I think back to like, you know, 2008, 2009, where you had like, you know, these bikes that just just like the lug work would take hundreds of hours, you know, and they were they were, you know, fairly like I don't want to say impractical because if somebody's buying them and paying money for them, you know, and and paying for that labor, then, you know, there's there's a, what do you call that? A demand for it. You know, I'm not going to mm. argue with that. I, I have a, I have an insane purple bike right now. I'm clearly a customer, but you know, they, these really overwrought sort of like, you know, really beautiful, but highly detailed and, you know, very labor intensive bikes. This year I saw that too, but you know, the concepts were really good. You know, Shamrock had this, um, this belt drive. Um, it wasn't really a commuter. It was kind of a party bike, but you know, it's not that it it worked. You know, it, it worked. It it had this really extensive like lighting system on it, and you know, run by Dino Hubs and and all that. But but he he soldered in like motorcycle switches and you know disconnect you know disconnect points, uh, junctions all over the bike, so you could actually take it apart and use it. You know, it was a really ultra functional bike that was you know thematically on point and extremely functional and extremely detailed and it was like you had that end of the spectrum and rather than i would argue you know 10 years ago that kind of bike wouldn't be a necessarily very practical bike it would be something that looked like a bike and would work for the show hopefully um but not ultimately be very very rideable after the fact this year, that sort of end of the spectrum was extremely rideable and extremely <clears throat> usable, and I didn't see any sort of bicycle-shaped objects in that respect. Mm. On the end of it, I mean, it's like the other end, you had like the swoopy uh, Colorado builders, the the clunker-derived sort of you know programs coming out of um, um, you know the Front Range, which is really exciting. Um, and then you had you know brands like Stinner and Mosaic coming with really clean designs that, um, you know, and really well thought out and well detailed, but not, not 
labor intensive to the point of like a shamrock would be. And mm-hmm. it, it was, it was well-rounded. Everything was, you know, it, it was a really impressive show. It was my favorite show to date. You know, it wasn't a lot of gimmicks. It was just really good stuff from every different sort of segment of the build, building community. When I walked around, I kept thinking, wow, that's beautiful. I would never write it though, because it's too beautiful. <laughs> and with my writing skills, of course it would come back in a, you know, pretzel shape. Very well, soon. my prince bike is filthy right now, and it's going to remain right. filthy and scratched until the end of its days when it's just ridden into the ground. So, <laughs> but, Jim, but we can actually segue. We can segue I to it. I found a new racing category though for me though. <laughs> yeah, party bike racing. Party bike. <laughs> I can so win that. Anna, Anna, do you have a um, picture of the bike online that we can link to for everybody? I mean, honestly, just Google Google Prince bike. Um, Patrick Brady did a did a great write up on it for um, Red Kite Prayer, as did Bicycle Times with uh, Helena, who is uh, a new rider over there. She's killing it. Um, and I've been at some point. I'll do the third in my uh, Grit Cross. Uh, actually, has pictures of it muddy. So if you have a subscription to that or are going to, uh, there are some great photos over there. Um, but um, yeah. At some point in the next three weeks, I'll write the third, the third part in my three-part um, sort of epic write-up on the bike for uh, Bike Rumor. I just can't guarantee that it'll be done soon because nobody, you know, this I enough has been written about this this damn bike, right? So, like, I need to cover other people's stuff first. Um, so when I'm when I'm done with that other coverage, you'll you'll see more pictures there. Uh, I so have, pick, pick your favorite publication. <laughs> I have grabbed that link, Anna. So I've got it on Red Kite Prayer. So Perfect. I'll put that in the show notes. It's really cool that it's going to Hartford, Connecticut next year. Because, of course, yeah. with, my, with my historian's hat on, Hartford, Connecticut is where Albert Pope was with mm-hmm. Columbia, with the, the, the first mass-produced uh, American and, and world bicycle. So from 1870s uh, onwards, that's where he was headquartered. So I'm, I'm assuming there must be some sort of link up with the history of cycling. Uh, and that's why they're going to Hartford. Or is there some other reason they're going to Hartford? Do you know? I mean, you, you sit there and you've got, you've got, you know, we've, we've been to recently to like Salt Lake and, and Denver, which, you know, link into the sort of Rocky Mountain family of like, you know, mountain bikes and, you, you know, California, obviously, um, the Kentucky show was kind of eh, but um, you know we've we've really sort of stuck to the West Coast. Uh, we haven't, there hasn't been a show in Chicago or Minneapolis, so mm. we haven't covered the building communities up here. But largely, people don't know what they are because Scandinavians don't brag about what they do. Um, so you're not going to hear uh, anything about the builders in this neck of the woods. <laughs> so this is why but, I was thinking there must be some other reason for going to Hartford. You know, you're not going to Chicago. You're not going to these other places. Yeah, but it could just be to get it into New England, as as Anna was saying before, Mm. that they haven't seen any of the um, New England builders for a really long time. Seven, IF, Firefly, you've got all of those people. Yeah, if IF hasn't been going, that's crazy. So, um, and, and you know what? Boston is just crazy expensive. I don't think people would be able Mm. to stay. Yeah. Hartford is probably um, the better option there. There's probably hotel rooms, and they're probably mm-hmm. reasonable, and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. Carlton, how did you happen to I, know that's that? That's what I would think. The Hartford Connecticut? 
I wrote a yeah. book about it. Yeah, for sure. There's a there's a. Oh, um, it's, 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 tell us about the book, that was that was roads not built for cars. Very nice, thank you, Jim. Uh, that was the, the the previous book that I wrote. So I, I, I'm very familiar with Hartford as being the the hub, you could say, of American uh, cycling. There's, I'm pretty sure in, in 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 the notes for the book, I link to a, one of the the Pope factories. Uh, most of them obviously have all long gone, but there is one that's still in Hartford, Connecticut, and is still in use as a factory. Uh, so one of these bicycle factories is still is still up and standing. So which is which is pretty cool. Uh, but I would like to now move along, and we're going to stick with Anna because Anna, you <laughs> before we came on on air, you said, "Oh, this is this crazy thing that's just bubbled up this morning." Uh, so you tell us this is Wolf Tooth. We've all had a wee look at this particular social media posting yes. from Wolf Tooth, and I think we all had a sharp intake of breath. So so tell us about it, Anna. What what exactly is this picture that we can visualize in our minds without going there? Well so so I mean I think I think that needs to be said before we point at any any singular like point, you know, any any meme or image. Um what's what's interesting is you've got all of these bike brands who have who have, you know, these these long histories of, you know, like I don't know, uh advertisement <laughs> and presence uh in in the industry right um and i think back to my childhood going to trade shows and just being just you know inundated with you know booth girls and imaging uh, imagery that you know was less than progressive um from all these companies and very recently you know a lot of them have taken this this like 180 turn where you know mm. they've, they've shunned all of that imagery um but it's still out there is is the thing is once you put stuff like that out there it kind of lingers um so it's kind of within that context context that i i have to say something about this because it's mm. been up for about an hour and and it's a local company which bums me out a little bit more um wolf tooth components um, posted a meme this morning and it's something I've seen on forums a million times and you kind of look at it and you're just like, uh, but it's like, you know, it has like the, the generic man silhouette symbol. And then it's mm -hmm. like, you know, plus one Oh five and it's a equals man plus sexy silhouette of a woman. And then man plus Shimano Altegra and it's man plus two sexy silhouettes on and on and on. And then it has man plus, and then it has a wolf tooth sprocket and then equals man with, you know, like four or five sexy silhouettes. And then it has man plus Ram Red 22 and it has two men. Um, and you look at it and you're like, all right. So first of all, it's homophobic, which in a, for a, a company in Minneapolis is uh, just just extremely surprising, uh, given the, the dynamic of the community here. But. Um, and then on top of that, you know, it, it sort of plays into that dynamic with like podium girls where women are, are prizes that you get um, for doing certain things. Um, so it plays into that. So it's, it's pretty sexist as well. And then you could get into you could you could sort of peel away the layers and, and find more more ways of interpreting this. But I mean, I think that's as far as you have to go. It's clearly sexist and it's clearly homophobic. And um, as I'm seeing, uh, Richard Sachs actually just sent me a note saying that if the image wasn't removed in a few hours, that um, he would remove Wolf Tooth components uh, from being a that, that his team, the Richard Sachs cyclocross team would cease to be a brand ambassador moving forward and they wouldn't they would no longer ride the components. They so, can I mean, ride the components because like... it's been removed. It, uh, oh, we are talking breaking news here. <laughs> 
Anna, uh-huh. whatever you, you whatever you you had maybe tweeted before or whatever has has worked because in the last well we were looking at this what twenty minutes ago, so it's gone. It is it is no longer there. So they've they've clearly recognised their mistake, and have taken well, it down. I have another thought. I have another thought on that as well because it, mm. this just happened in New England. Um, talking about New England, a couple a couple things. This was from another forum, so it was from the Single Speed or Deaf Facebook group, but. They could have been hacked. Now, maybe they weren't. Maybe they were. But we just had, I mean, it can happen because um, it's sort of silly season here with um, with the football players. That's the football, the other football, Carlin, um, <laughs> that um, our backup quarterback here in the New England Patriots, that he instagrammed this you know it's nice nice knowing you new england whatever peace out and everybody was like oh my goodness he's leaving yada 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 this is a whole big news story a couple hours later came out his account had been hacked and Mm -hmm. um that it got taken down and everything like that so until i i would want to give them the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. until such time they say either we made a mistake or we got hacked Okay. So very good point, one. Donna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. But we, either way, it's gone, we, so we can't we, we can't link whole, to that anymore, which is quite good. We have a whole section of our country, though, that they would find that perfectly okay and acceptable, and it actually wouldn't even think twice about it. Who would think? I mean, wow. I've gotten hate mail from those people. I know they're out there. <laughs> oh, they're totally out there. Oh, they yeah. really are. <laughs> we we all know that, and so. It, Depending upon who you're selling to, this isn't going to go away because mm. a lot of and, – and when I say us, I mean men, I think, are, are drilled this way. I mean we were, were just put together this way that that – wow, that's interesting. If you ride that, you get four women. Um, I'm going to go out and get wolf components, put them on my bike to see if that will help. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't an ad that they did. It was something that somebody else made and posted and then they sure. posted it as content. Which but, is but, terrible content. <laughs> it all, is, absolutely. All the women who are standing by the side of the road, when I ride by, they'll see that and they'll like me then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your tiny Wolf's component <laughs> cog. There's no bananas <laughs> over it. I mean, I know I do, personally. Yeah. Well, and all the women standing by the side of the road when I ride by. Yeah, except for, you know, I, I ride with a bunch of women on bicycles, and I can tell you that any any one of them that saw that being used as content is not excited about it and probably will be factoring that into their purchases moving forward, mm. which they every time they see content like that posted for a brand. Like, I have mm. a running list in my head of companies that, you know, like, when I go and purchase things for myself, like, if I have you know, baggage from content like that. And it's baggage is a terrible term to use. It's like, well, they chose to advertise that way. And it was, it was the opposite of an advertisement for me. So they've turned me off. I don't want to ride that product. I don't represent it. I want to represent it. And I, I've certainly stopped writing, um, stopped writing gear, you know, sh- stopped wearing shoes, stopped writing like, you know, uh, component groupos actually, uh, for that reason. And I don't understand why, you know, it's, it's not like posting this gives you new fans. It, it only turns people off. It's only harmful. It only reinforces the people who are going to buy your product anyway. So why wouldn't you choose to reinforce them in a different way that doesn't 
that isn't harmful to your company, uh, your your brand image. You know, it's it seems mm. so simple. Well, and I, I so I was the you know give them the benefit of the doubt. However, they just posted a picture with a bike, totally fine, loving these skin walls from wild wilderness trail bike look good and ride great so they have not this is a pr person in me coming out they have not acknowledged anything either a we were hacked b we made a mistake nothing they've just put up additional content that's you know not controversial mm-hmm. um and are ignoring the hubbub that they've created and in my mind that's that's where the mistake really happens mm-hmm. but, but that content could have been scheduled i mean the stuff that i'm throwing up today i've put up Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. So sure. I mean, I yeah, but it's kind of it's kind of strange that the content that they. Well, you mean the content that just went up, the bike picture? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But still, if you have taken down a post, somebody's monitoring this. They could go in, unschedule that, and oh, yeah. say, "Hey, you know, put up a picture and say, hey, we're really sorry,' or hey, we just got hacked. We're still figuring this out. Whatever.'" Um, but you need to apologize when you have upset a group that big. And Which is what people are they... saying on here, because they're saying, uh, well, what's Stella.mn uh, saying? Well played on the sly, under the breath, apology. Oh, wait, we still can't hear you. So even though they've taken it down, <laughs> they put a new post up, people have still remembered the fact that, well, no, hang on, this was here a few minutes ago. And then Bonfire... Uh, we can said uh, no doesn't like the ad needs more sexism and homophobia. Yeah. Uh, so clearly they they're being attacked here, even though they put uh, uh, new well, stuff up. So the, the, what's what kills me is that like it's not like you take it down and it goes away, and it's not like it's not like your customers forget. I swear to God, your customers or your potential customers that you just blew it with mm. don't forget stuff like this. And while it may sort of calm down in a few days. You know, I can I can tell you both as a customer who who has been influenced by this and by different brands, and as somebody who's worked on the inside of of you know bike companies, you know on the inside somebody posts something like that, and you what you do is you look at their team and you go, man, if and and with media as well, you know you can point to media entities who do this all the time where they post something inappropriate, and you kind of look at them and you're like, all right, so. You had the poor judgment to let that loose into the world, and then you were surrounded by this whole team of people who also had that poor judgment. You know, it just it points to the fact that you know, like when when you have a diverse team, you're probably going to have a couple people on that team being like, "Hey, man, like that's a really bad idea. Don't do that." Mm. So you know, anytime I see something like that, the first thing I go to, and I'm not the only person, it's like, "Well." Do you do you have a diverse working group? Like, have you sought out people to like like you know enrich your company so that you you don't make poor decisions like this? And you know that's that's the thing that I'm thinking of right now with Wolf Tooth. It's the thing that I think of with a lot of brands. And and you know you can any any time something like this gets out, you can almost be assured that they don't have. They don't have a diverse social media crew actually talking about how their brand should be portrayed and that stuff like this shouldn't happen. And it's not as though they're posting 35 images a day. This is they're they're posting one a week, maybe. Yeah, (laughs) right. Right. And, And, you know, what what you what you learn after being in social media for a while is that people forgive, but they don't forget. So if they had come out right away 
and put a post up, hey, we're really sorry. That was in bad taste. We, you know, that's not our brand. It's not indicative of mm-hmm. who we are. We just, we got a little chuckle out of it in the back room, whatever. And we're really, really sorry. That's that's not our brand. People and, go, and, oh, okay. You know, everybody makes a mistake. You know, some people would yeah. still remember it. and be, <laughs> But some people would say, you know what? Everybody makes mistakes. They they jumped on it. They heard mm-hmm. us. Our voices I just got heard. a personal apology from them, actually. That yeah. said, you know, we're so sorry this post was put up by one of our employees, spelled incorrectly. Inexcusable. <laughs> uh, post is down, and please accept our sincerest apologies. This is not representative of Wolf Tooth and our beliefs. And it's like, well... Okay, you know, if you ignore the punctuation and and spelling, you know, okay, cool. They didn't say that they were sorry that I felt this way. They actually owned it and they apologized to my personal account. But now I'm going to be going through and seeing if they apologize to every one of my friends who posted ahead of me or if they're just ap- apologizing to me because, you know, of, of my program. Um mm. I well, don't know. and also that that doesn't do anything. Like I would never have seen that, or Carlton wouldn't have, or Jim wouldn't have, or you know any of these other eighty-five people that had comments or more. Um, that because I still have this post up because you know it never goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so um, you know, are they going to go like you said, Anna? Are they going to go and and apologize to all of those hundred people or whatever? I don't. You know, that's not really how you would do it. At least not how I would do it. That's, I can only say what I would do. But, and, mm. and we're sending out wolf tooth. But companies do this every single day. You know, it happens all of the time. And each one of them, like, when there's a negative response, goes, goes into, like, you know, DEFCON 4, like, for whichever one. I'm not, I'm not a DEFCON guy. But, like... It's, it's, you know, they, they freak out like the world is over and it's like, no, this, this happens all the time. Like it's, it's very simple. Just don't do it to begin with Uh, when it does happen, you know, like take it to heart and uh, use it as an opportunity to sort of like, look at yourself and both two just happened to be this morning. And uh, an hour later, a lot of people are looking at that brand differently. I suspect that the people that put it up and the people that had it pulled down and, are apologizing are two totally different groups of people. Um, uh, I mean, I suspect that at, at an operation like Wolf Tooth, Wolf Tooth, the people who put it up were at a much lower level than the person who is panicked and typing as fast as they can on a keyboard and not really paying attention and hitting send, which would explain a lot of the grammar errors, um, <laughs> Just to be able to, you know, and, and one's at the presidential level and the other one's at the, hey, I started here as an intern last week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you'd be surprised about that, you know. Hopefully. I've, I've been privy to a lot of marketing departments and I'm I'm surprised, you know. <laughs> not disappointed because I'm not surprised that way, but, you know, it's just kind of like... No, this is this is still the status quo. We're still working working that kind of energy out of the industry, and until we do, like uh, this is this is going to dictate how companies are perceived and how cycling is perceived. So just mm-hmm. knock it off. Like, come on. Anyway, <laughs> well, one assumes they're not going to do that again. I hope so. I just you know I I would prefer for brands to not have to go do through this process place. to begin with. Yeah. 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 Good point. Like okay, I, had, well, I had nothing but positive feelings about Wolf Tooth before this, but now mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, well, you know, hey, there's there's endless uh, endless uh, cogs. You know, it's run by a woman named Shanna Powell. Like, oh, I'm, 
I guess that's going to be uh, my next my next purchase for this mountain bike I'm building up. You know, it's it's been a boon for her this morning. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Okay, we are going to split for a break now, I'm afraid, folks. So we will be back in a few seconds. Hey, everybody. Sorry to interrupt the show, but this is David, and I wanted to jump in and tell you about this week's show sponsor. And, of course, it's none other than Jensen USA at JensenUSA.com slash The Spokesman. Jensen USA is the place where you will find everything, nearly everything at least, for your cycling lifestyle, whether it's road biking, mountain biking, commuting, fitness, you name it. They've got what you're looking for. And all of those products are available at incredible prices. And most importantly, something that we've all come to crave here in 2016, 2017, unparalleled customer service. That's because if you call or email Jensen USA, you're not just going to get some customer support rep who really doesn't understand you and your cycling life. No, these are gear advisors and gear advisors are cyclists just like you and me. And they live the cycling lifestyle and they've tried so much of the products that are available on Jensen USA. And they've got amazing training. They're there to help you. They can tell you what works and what doesn't which products go together and which don't. And you can tell them a little bit about what you're looking for and they can definitely point you in the right direction. And on top of all of that, Jensen is offering new customers who are referred to them by the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast one item at 10% off. So, I mean, you know, don't go use that on a water bottle. Go buy a bike. Go buy a new suspension for Buy something expensive. Now, Some brands don't participate in promotions. And so if you see a message in your checkout that says no qualifying items in cart, go back and find something that qualifies. And then when you check out, simply enter the code, the spokesmen, no spaces, plural, at checkout, and you'll get 10% off one qualifying item. That's Jensen USA, J-E-N-S-O-N, USA.com slash the spokesman. And even if you just call him, would you do us a favor and let him know that you heard about Jensen right here on the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast? Our thanks, our great thanks to Jensen USA for supporting the Spokesman and our thanks to you for supporting Jensen USA. And now back to the show. Okay, and we are back, folks, and we are recording episode 153 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable. And with me on this roundtable is Jim Moss and Donna Tochi and Anna Schwinn. And uh, we have been talking about a, a wide range of things, including breaking stuff that was happening as we were talking. It was it was just the the, the fluidity of social media uh, astounds us all. Now, however, uh, there's something else that kind of flew up in in, in social media and and went very viral on Bitebiz last week. Sadly that uh, two things were were very sad about this particular thing. Uh, the first thing was there was a terrorist attack on Westminster Bridge uh, in London on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we had a, a peer of the realm. We had a Lord Carlisle. Actually, I know I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but he was blaming uh, bike lanes, cycleways, for the easy access to the sidewalk, for the the, the SUV that, that went on the sidewalk and, and killed people wow, by driving really? along. 
Yes, and uh, he was roundly <laughs> attacked for that particular uh, faux pas because, you know, it's, it's clearly ludicrous. I think, my personal opinion, I think it's ludicrous. But let's put this out there. Maybe there's another side to this. Donna, you, you said you had a different angle on this particular subject. Well, he said it was, if I read the article correctly, he said that it was easier for this gentleman to, and I don't even want to call him a gentleman, a person, um, to hit people in this terrible tragedy um, because the bike lane was a painted bike lane. And I took that to mean, as I was reading through the article more, there are curbed bike lanes in England. Um, and I would assume he is making the point that there should be more curbed bike lanes. Um, uh, that, that's a very and I would like optimist. to turn it around on him a little bit that, you know, these painted only, maybe that's not working and it should be curbed bike lanes like in the other other areas. Donna, that's a very charitable uh, way of looking at it. I would say it's 100% not that. If, if you listen to the actual conversation, which I did do, he was on uh, Radio 4 and he was saying this, uh, he was very much blaming uh, the bike lanes in general. And that is because he was in a, sitting in a radio car on the bridge itself. Very likely he was um, in one of the places where there is actually a curb protected. So on, on Westminster Bridge, most of it is paint. So it's just a bike lane with, with paint. But then in front of Parliament, in front of, of, of uh, Big Ben... Uh, it actually becomes uh, a protected with curbs uh, a, a cycleway. So I think in his head, he thinks the whole thing is protected and that somehow uh, the, the terrorist has, has used uh, this particular bit to, to access Parliament. And when you've got to look at this is in context in that there's an awful lot of parliamentarians are very much against the protected cycleways that are going in right outside the place they work. A lot of them absolutely hate this. They hate the protected cycleways. So I don't think he did mean that at all. He was very much uh, being down. And the presenter was just nodding away with him and saying, yeah, yeah. And this is just, it's a theme. There's a, a, a very much a theme in, in, in certain circles in London at the moment is to just blame almost everything. So, yeah. Uh, previous politicians have said this This is worse than the Blitz. Having cycleways in London is worse than the Luftwaffe bombing London. Uh, what? The, guy was the last show. SUV, it wouldn't have mattered. He would have gone over a curb. He would have gone. He, he went up on the sidewalk, you know, anyway. He'd go on the sidewalk, yeah. You know, so, I mean, last night I was going to a restaurant and I missed the, uh, the little driveway for the parking lot. And, you know, the concrete extended farther and i just went over the curb i'm driving suv it didn't even didn't phase the vehicle you <laughs> yeah, know i mean that was he did, hungry he did further along he did actually bump over a protected cycleway so yeah i'm, I'm this protected cycleways are not going to stop a terrorist yeah. intent on taking an suv over them uh but yeah i, I kind of no. like the fact you're trying to be charitable but an awful lot of parliamentarians uh, are really very much down on on cycleways in london so as we talked on the last show where it was cycleways are blamed for pollution yeah, lord, okay that one lord is a title that you get by birth right it, uh, this guy is a very intelligent lawyer 
He's a oh. he's a, he's super intelligent. He's been around for a long time. He, he's not a, a, a thick aristocrat. You know, this guy is a very sharp legal brain this is what's so shocking about it. it's like that's ludicrous what you're saying there and why isn't the presenter saying lord carlisle that's ludicrous but they don't well this is what the weird well, thing is. right that's the presenter's fault it was a chance to really turn it around and say okay maybe we should put curbs on these things to make it a little more difficult um you know unless you're jim driving around but mm-hmm. um you know that uh, so yes it's it's an inherent problem across the board i think carlton no better, no different than Billy in the uh, SUV here in the United States. What's that? Um, a person was recording a possible future presidential candidate uh, talking about women and <laughs> just oh. kept going ahead and egging him on. All oh, right, know, okay, so. okay. So we're talking about presenters now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I get where you're coming from. Uh, Jim, I'm going to stay with you there. And that is bring you in for uh, the, the, this is you brought this into the into for us to discuss. And that's uh, well, tell us about the close call database. Yeah, this is pretty interesting. And I had a quick uh, email conversation with the guy who started it, who's just up the road in Boulder. But what he's done is he's created this database, closecalldatabase.com, Um where you can sign up and you send an email in when you have enough information about a driver in your area um, that's aggressive or dangerous or you know killed somebody or whatever, um, and it allows you to then receive these notices um, in your area, and mm-hmm. and it's really neat. It's you know you can actually you know people actually put up the drive the. Uh, address of where the incident occurred and the date, and then they describe the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, get a license plate, you're even better. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's really neat. I mean, it, you, if you're out there riding, you normally ride in this area, and you, and you see a, a white Chevy Tahoe that's one listed here in Longmont with a license plate on it, um, you know, then, then you might live a little bit longer because you'll be mm-hmm. aware of some idiot coming towards you. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jim, and, and, as, as speaking as a lawyer, the legality of this? Uh, well, it's pr- First Amendment. You know, you have everyone has the right to an opinion. Uh, the guy running the database doesn't have to worry about it because it's being posted by some other people, and he's not doing it to, um, you know, he has no interest in who the drivers are. He just is posting the information that other people are come bringing up. Now, if you go on there and and you post something negative about your ex-wife or whatever to get her in a lot of trouble or, <laughs> or you know, your boss because you're, you're mad at him, then, yeah, you could get in trouble. But if it's legitimate, if you're on a bicycle mm. and someone comes too close and you report it here, there's no, there's no legal issues to worry about. Um, and, and where this will really make a difference is if we get enough people on here mm. nationwide and then you can say, hey, I was dri- I'm going to go driving and su- riding in Southern California. Uh, Jim, Jim, my, not my just nationwide. Out. This is this is global. I mean, I've looked at other is parts. It? You can do this everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You can you can oh, zoom can out, and you could you could do UK. Oh, awesome! Yeah, hmm. my brother's riding in Utah this week, and it's like, you know, one Utah is a very dangerous place to ride, and, but hmm. it would at least give you a head up, heads up um, for for what's coming. And and hmm. I remember an incident with one of the older spokesmen uh, who was uh, chased down by a truck in Maui. Hawaii, and that was, that he was, was Byron. Contacted. I know, yeah. Mm. Who, who, 
you know, the locals said, oh, yeah, we've had problems with that guy for mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think it's a great opportunity. Call, let's see, closecalldatabase.com. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, is it quite new? It seems to have been brand new. I can't tell exactly when it was created. Um, I could find out. But, but yeah, I mean, the posts all look like they're within the last year. And unfortunately, uh, it's actually well populated with information, which which is the, a sad indication of, of the success of this in that there's enough bad drivers out there to put information in. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, the, most of them are from the front range where it started. But uh, And there's even some videos, which are hilarious. Mm. Well, hilarious from a scary, I may not get out from underneath the bed type of hilarious. Um but I think it's I think it's awesome, you know. Um, maybe even the could be a resource for prosecuting some of these mm. idiots when they're caught. You can go back online mm. and say, "Well, look, on this date you did this, and this date you did this." So yeah. So what are the one of the small print bits on the front there is that this is not taken away um, from what the law enforcement uh, people should be doing. So if if somebody has had a, a severe run in with one of these particular drivers, take it to the the police and and get them to sort it out as well. This is not this is not uh, vigilante stuff. This is this is no. a, yeah. an and thing. No. This is yeah, in, in addition to. Yep. It's, okay. It's yeah, that, that's really cool. No. Thank you, Jim. You yeah, bet. that's cool. Okay, and yeah, we are going to wrap up the show uh, <laughs> with another one of Jim's editions, uh, and that is. Well, he's bought three of these, I believe, Jim. Is that right? <laughs> You've brought. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. You're a lawyer. You can afford it. Uh, you've bought three of these Bugatti bikes. Uh, I represent so, so, the bicycle <laughs> industry. Think how much money that makes. Well, it's just, you know, you, you, you need to have one in each color, haven't you? So that's why you've brought three of them. So tell us about this, the, these bicycles you've bought, Jim. Well, it, it's, it, what caught my eye as much as anything is, is it shows up in Architectural Digest which is a well-respected online and, and, and print magazine here in the United States. But Bugatti sends out this press release that they, along with some, uh, I can't remember who else they partnered with, created this $40,000 bicycle, mm-hmm. you know, all carbon, et cetera, the Bugatti Chiron, um, whatever. And it's beautiful and it gets major press, you know. And yet at the same time, you can go out and find $15,000 bicycles that weigh the same amount, 11 pounds mm-hmm. as this thing does. Um, and and from, the arc, from the article, there, there's sort of an indication that a pothole might destroy it, you know. Um, I'm not sure it's actually supposed to be ridden. Mm. Um, but it's just obviously a status symbol. Um, but what it reminded me of is something that's just hilarious, which is in some sections of the United States – the largest seller of Conagos, supposedly, are the um, Ferrari dealerships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Conago every year makes a Ferrari bicycle, and the dealerships sell them. And I know in the front range, talking to a former Conago rep, that the largest Conago dealer, in, in two of them in, in Colorado, were both Ferrari dealerships. And one guy just says, you know, well, you need two bikes to go with that car, don't you? And adding thirty thousand dollars to the price of a two hundred thousand dollar car is nothing. 
Mm. Um, supposedly, <laughs> supposedly the most uh, Conagos, fifteen thousand dollar Conagos in the in the world are hanging in garages in Aspen. <laughs> Never I can well imagine hanging. that because if if you're going to be buying an Italian car, then of course you'll buy an Italian bicycle. It just it, they 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 marry together, yeah. Yeah. What? So okay, I I don't know. So what what's our problem with that? Help me well, understand the- because you're you're saying you're saying all of these things in a way that, um, you know, like you're baffled. Like this is this is this interesting, hilarious fact. Tell tell me tell me what's behind the tone of voice that you have here. Articulate your feelings, Jen. <laughs> oh, articulate my feelings. Hold on. I'm gonna no, 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 no. I wanna I wanna understand why you're why you're why you're baffled because I think that I think that both of these things are really really important to for discussing a lot of other issues. Well, you know, the, on the Ferrari Conago end of it. If there were that many, as, as many as I was told have been sold, you would see them being ridden once in a while. I have never seen a, a Conago Ferrari anywhere. And I spend yeah. you know, a couple of weeks, a, well, a couple of weekends a year in Aspen because you know, I can go sit and laugh at people. Um, and, and you never see, I mean, you see a lot of nice bicycles in Aspen, but you never see a Ferrari. And so these bikes seem to have been sold, and then they hang in the garage. They're never well, how ridden. How many bikes are sold and just hang in the garage? You know, we talk about, we were just talking about the Handmade Bicycle Show, right? And yes. how you, you, your, you, your impression of walking around the Denver show was that all of these bikes were being made, but that, that they were being hung up somewhere. And it's true. Like, I've... Outside of Minneapolis, where a lot of people ride custom bikes and park them wherever, because that's the that's the culture we have here. In other parts of the world where I've lived, where I know that these custom bikes are in town, I never see them out. You know, um, and I see that with a lot of expensive bikes and inexpensive bikes too. You know. Um, but didn't you have pride in your voice when you said, "And mine is dirty." Well, yeah, but I'm not your average, you know, Ferrari Colnago customer. I mean, and and I'm also not your average custom bicycle customer either. Um, But that's the whole issue is why buy a bicycle if you're not going to ride it? I own seven bicycles and every single one of them has dirt on it. I mean, and I wash them all the time, but they all get ridden different times of the year, different ways. I, I don't own, I have some books but I've read them all. I'm trying to think of what I own some artwork, but it's up on the wall. No, I have a few pieces I mean, that I don't have up on the wall. I, so I buy it, anything and not use it. Well, that that sounds like well, a personal ph- philosophy, and you know, let's let's not let's not bash people who are spending money on bikes. They subsidize us, Jim. Well, um, <laughs> well, and also think about think about the people that are buying Ferraris in Aspen. They're buying them to put them in a garage six months out of the year. So what's the difference? No matter what, no matter right. what. Right. So what, well, no and, matter what, because it's going to snow, and the Ferrari does not go in the snow. So and, and, what's the difference? And mostly, they're actually only used for a maximum of two weeks out of the year. Eighty mm. percent of the homes in Vale and Aspen are only used for two weeks out of the year. They sit mm-hmm. empty the rest of the time, and so those bicycles, if they're used at all, are going to be used for one or two days. So the whole, I mean, great. We're we're supporting. $15,000 bicycles, or in the case of the Bugatti, well, a $40,000 bicycle. Let's talk about the Bugatti. I mean, that's 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 interesting, because that's a $40,000 bike, a $39,000 bike, that isn't, you know, it's it's not 
being sold or advertised within cycling, you know, traditional cycling media. It's an architectural digest. That's that's way more interesting than like you know people tacking on a Colnago sale because yeah. you know a, a it's in poor distress. It's not made by Bucati, so it is made within the bike trade. So it's German company PG. PGL. is making this bike and they are branding it as Bugatti. So I'm presuming that, I don't know the inside story on this, but I presume, as is the way of, of many of these projects, uh, the company themselves approaches a, a brand like this and almost semi-licenses uh, the more famous brand to get a bit of PR, which they have obviously done. Because this isn't just in the architectural journal, Jim. This is everywhere. This has been in every yeah. bike place. It's been in lots of newspapers. And it's on my, the spokesman. And it's on where we're talking yeah. about it. Oh. So the, the point I'd like to, to raise and, and ask you guys is the very fact that the mass mainstream media is saying there's a bicycle. It is a bicycle. It is not an e-bike. It is not a, a motorbike. It is a bicycle. You pedal this thing and it costs $40,000. Is that not a good thing? Because that raises the price perception of bicycles in general so when somebody goes in and splashes a thousand dollars it's like well that's that's not so bad there was a forty thousand one i saw in the the press two weeks ago so so is this a good thing i don't think we need to well i think we need more cheaper bikes and less you know (laughs) expensive bikes it's it's pretty easy if you really really put your mind to it to put together an expensive bicycle to build you know forty thousand dollars at the at nabs is not you know you you can find a billion bikes at that show mm-hmm. not a billion you know a handful that that hit that point but i mean i think what's what's interesting and why why i'm not i'm not mad at it um is because it it makes people who don't who aren't having their heads turned by normal bicycles it's it's mm-hmm. turning their heads and you know just like concept bikes since the dawn of time have done that you know, it's it's new and it's interesting and it's it's a funky way of looking at a bike. And, you know, if it makes somebody like go like, oh, my God, that's ludicrous. But that's that's pretty cool. You know, maybe they'll open their hearts to purchasing a bike and riding it um, or, you know, putting it in their house in Aspen. <laughs> Do you think it might be five thousand dollar bike with thirty five thousand dollar name badge? Could be. Yeah, I- I think as much as anything, though, is that we're talking two totally different worlds. The people who are looking at this $40,000 bike, other than those from um, the spokesman, um, and especially in Architectural Digest, uh, are not worried about $40,000. Mm-hmm. Okay, They're worried about billions or millions or whatever, and it's, it's not an issue for them. They're not thinking of this bicycle as a bicycle. They're thinking it as, I can show it off to my friends. I have a $40,000 bike. They don't. It will never be ridden. It has nothing to do with cycling. It has absolutely nothing mm. to do with cycling. The people who are cyclists don't want anything to do with this to some extent. And maybe, and I'll refer to Anna and Donna on this, there is some valuable PR from it. But from the realistic side of, of view, it, it's a joke. You know, no one's going to ride this bike. We're not going to see it on a bike trail. We're not going to see it on the road. I mean, I don't, think know, it was built, I don't think it was built for that. I think it was built so that the Bugatti owners could have a, a matchy match set. And um, they may ride it. But they may just tool around their neighborhood in it or something like that. Guys, or, do we um, do we think this exists? So I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. Do we really think this exists? 
Well, they're making yeah. 667 of them. Well, that, that, that alone says to me, yeah, that's like, <laughs> that's well, all right, okay. Number. You're not going to be making 667 of these bikes. There are no photographs. There are, these are renderings. These are, this is, this is, this is PR. And it's very successful. What would be so, the point? PR. That's no, it. Or for PG? Look, for both. But I, not to people who are buying bikes. So, I mean, we don't want to sell bikes to people who buy bikes because we we're, we're saturating those people. You know, mm. we've already saturated them. Like and I'm. Do you no, think our ahead. growth is coming from the millionaires in the world, or for other people making whatever fifty to a hundred thousand dollars? Who our, decide? Our, Jim, our growth isn't coming from anywhere at the moment. Well, okay. Our possible, growth, <laughs> our possible growth. Well, our possible growth, I mean, like, I don't know. The industry is kind of dropping the ball in a bunch of different ways currently, mm. but that's a whole other discussion. But, the, but like, you know, it's a German company making an ultralight weird bike. I can't, like, this isn't meant to be offensive, Um to to Germans, but there's a lot of there. There is a sect of the German market that's really into ultra light bikes that a lot of people would consider to be impractical. So it doesn't surprise me that this is a German company doing this because I know that there there is a whole segment of that market that is into these you know like four kilogram bikes. You know, so it's just I it's it's a thing. I don't get it, but you know, I was never going to buy a bike like that. There are people mm. who will. And there are people who are going to be stoked up off, off, off of the uh, Bugatti name, which I mean, when was the last time you saw a Bugatti in person? And that company's in in you know they they exist and they make product. I've seen a lot of I've seen more Bugatti renderings than I have seen actual yeah. Bugatti product in person. So this, this is why I think is this is it's it's vaporware. I would say <laughs> they're, they're not going to be making many of these, but both Bugatti and PG have got a ton of mileage out of this. I think this is me personally. Even though there was a story on this on Bite Biz, I, I certainly wouldn't give it a, a whole lot of credence until I physically see one. I'm a doubting Thomas here. I'm afraid. Okay, doubting Thomas. Yep, I'm. I'm. I'm the. What? What do you say? Last show, uh, uh, something Susan, Donna. There was some uh, downer thing. Debbie Down, Debbie, Debbie Down. Thank you, Debbie. Debbie, swear to Susan, come on, Debbie Downer. Thank you. So I was being not a doubting Thomas. I was being a Debbie Downer there. So that's me being a cynic. I do apologise. Uh, now that is our show okay. for today, folks. Um, uh, so I am Carlton Reed. I'm Carlton Reed on Twitter. I'm uh, executive editor of bike biz as you might have picked up from a few uh, uh, wee snippets that i threw in there and we're going to go on the table and talk about who else uh, we've got here so anna you go first where can we contact you anna uh anna schwinn um i am schwinn at all costs one word on instagram and in it to schwinn it also one word on um on on what do you call that twitter, twitter. i don't use twitter often <laughs> But uh, you can you can read what I write at Bike Rumor in a number of places uh, if you're interested, and uh, I'm extremely findable. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, and Jim, who's also I'm sure pretty extremely findable. Where can we where can we reach you? Yeah, with my size, I'm hard to miss. I wasn't going to uh, say that. <laughs> Re- recreation Law. You can recreation or Google Recreation Law, uh, and you'll find my website or on Twitter Recreation Law. Uh, and, and it's wonderful to be here today. 
Thank you. And last but not least, Donna, where can we find you? Sure. You can find me on Twitter. I actually am on Twitter, maybe more than Anna. Um, and <laughs> I'm at Donna Tosi, T-O-C-C-I, and Instagram at Donna Tosi as well. But there, I am going to warn you, is going to be about the cat, the dog, and a few other things. So mm-hmm. usually not cycling. Mm-hmm. But okay. way, I've been told that my dog is beautiful, so... There you go. I'm thinking of getting an Instagram account. I'm wondering what type of contracts you guys want me to put up there. Contracts? <laughs> the only thing I have. I don't have any pictures of anything. I have contracts. Well, how about take pictures bikes. of... Yeah, you've got seven bikes. Take take pictures of your dirty bikes and you yeah. cleaning your bikes. Yeah. Yeah, come yeah. on. Come on, Jim. Yeah, that this is that could be a thing. It could be like Tim Socks. It could be you washing bikes. <laughs> That's right. Remember I when don't he did ever the sock want to thing? Compete. Yeah, cool. I don't want to compete with Tim and his socks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks, this has been episode 153 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. All of the bits and bobs that we've been talking about, the Prince bike, the Wiggins thing, uh, but no Viagra this show, uh, will be in the show notes, which will be on the, uh, the <laughs> diet dash hyphen, hyphen dash, whichever you want to put, uh, spokesman. Uh, dot com they'll all be up there uh in a wee while uh so thank you very much for subscribing thank you very much for listening to the spokesman cycling roundtable podcast and we will be back in two weeks time and cue the faded in spokesman music goodbye now goodbye